What's going on, people? This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney, alongside McLean Boyd and Jay Woodson. We are back for another edition. We hope all of our we need a name for our listeners. E Niners <laughs> sounds good. We need like a that. name or something. We'll workshop that. But yeah, we hope everyone had a had a good weekend. And you know what, boys? I'm skipping the pleasantries. I'm skipping the "What are you drinking?" feature tonight. I'm so jacked up to talk. The United States dominance at the Ryder Cup. <laughs> Suck on that, Jay Woodson. I didn't say that I wanted them to win. I just said I thought that they would have a chance to win. And I now, know, but in my own head, I, <laughs> in in my head, I converted it that you were in in uh, blue, and gold, blue and gold <laughs> all weekend singing "Olay Olay Olay" in your living room. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. Um, it was, yeah, it was uh, quite a good. quite a show. It was it was fun to watch, even. At first on Saturday, I was a little like, oh man, I don't I don't want this to be a huge blow. I want to have something to watch on Sunday. But then it was pretty evident they were gonna win. And then I was like, all right, let's get to 20. I texted you guys. I was like, yeah. I want them to get to 20. Let's just curb stomp these boys. <laughs> Make them cry, which we did to a couple of them. And uh, so even yesterday was was fun watching them grind it out all day, even though everyone knew who was gonna win. But I guess what are your what are your biggest takeaways, boys? What there's a lot of different aspects we can talk about, and I think we'll just kind of, kind of wing this one a little bit today. But um, yeah, USA dominance, nineteen to nine, sets a new record. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, they. I don't. I mean, they played great. I mean, it's it's really hard to say anything else. I mean, they played great from start to finish, I and mean, we talked about it. You know, starting the tournament off in foursomes, which has not been the USA's strong suit in in past Ryder Cups, and for them to get out, and I think that was like the weight was lifted off their shoulders once they got off to that that hot start. You know, when in the morning, uh, the morning matches three one is like, guys, we got this. You know, because um, you know, I, what overall the who who's typically won the the singles matches who's got the advantage there i know we we talked about it last week recently it's been the euros but i mean when you win every freaking rider cup you're going to win the yeah. singles yeah. you know so um but ideally know, we would i feel like we should with the current form of these players and less dependent on like a team format we've we've got the the most top ranked guys you would feel that they would probably have the edge in these singles matches which this year it was I mean, did they, they won two or three um, singles, singles matches. I think they won one, two and had two for the years. They won one, three and have two. They won three and have two. I mean, gosh. So we beat the bag out of them in that as well. There was, you know, so, I mean, I think, I think what it comes down to is, and you know, we talked last week when we did the preview show on, some of the biggest questions that we had on the U.S. team really had nothing to do with their skill, right? Because we talked yeah. about how highly ranked they were, how big of favorites they were, how much stronger they are than the the European team. But was, all right, are they going to come together? Are they going to put their differences aside for a, a few of them? Can they do this under pressure? We know it's they're the studs when it comes to 72-hole stroke play events, but can they do it under pressure? and make the putts when they need to on a Friday foursomes match. Yeah. And they answered kind of all of our questions, right? I think Stricker did a fantastic job of kind of staying out of the way. Sure. He came up with his game plan. He stuck with it. He let them kind of almost, from it sounds like, pick their own 
pairings. I mean, it doesn't. It definitely sounds like they had, you know, some research behind it. But he took a lot of the input from the players. He didn't do all the rah rah speeches and videos, and didn't have Michael Jordan come into the team room and just <laughs> yeah. like, hey boys, That's- like you guys are really freaking good. And yeah. yes, you guys all know this is important. And there's a lot of pressure. Like I don't need to tell you that every night over and over again. And bring yeah. in Lou Lou Holtz to spit all over you and talk about yeah, you know, go get them and win one for the Gipper kind of shit. <laughs> it's almost over overkill. Like it's overkill to play. And um, yeah. but yeah, I just think it. You know, the whole grand scheme of the weekend is they were just really, really strong. Absolutely, I mean it was fantastic. <laughs> Obviously, rooting for the Americans is uh, something that I'll always cherish, and having the ability to ability to do as an American and the Ryder cup, just like the Olympics and president's cups, Solheim cups. Um, there's something that really you know gets me going um, watching the event. You know, it's a totally di- different atmosphere and uh, you know, it, it feels like uh, you know, it, it gives us something to be a part of. You feel like you're more of a part of that event than you do any other event. It's probably the best way I could put it. The best analogy I could I could possibly make so well because you have a clear-cut side to root for like when you watch a lot of absolutely majors it might be three or four guys on the leaderboard that you'd like and root for and would don't mind see winning that event so you might not be rooting particularly hard for one individual person but this you have one one side and then plus two you talked about you know getting into it well it's easy to get into it when you see guys that are normally so calm and stoic like a patrick cantley out there raising the roof and pump up the crowd and fist pumping when you see those kind of guys you know, outside of their normal, you know, I, I always go back to the 1999 Ryder Cup and David Duvall just going bonkers. It's like, what? Like that guy never cracked a smile. You don't know what the, if that guy was eight over or eight under. You had yeah. no idea. But when you see him getting into it or you see a Cantlay or um, a Morikawa or these guys and a lot of Americans, frankly, when they play a, a major, don't show a lot of emotion, you know. And so when you see them do it, it's like, oh, I'm going to get jacked up if this guy's jacked up. I was really, uh, I was really impressed by how the Americans seem to kind of gel up and play well together as a team. I don't know if there's something that we can totally attribute to what exactly caused that. I mean, you could say Stricker's pairing, Stricker's coaching, uh, maybe his kind of no nonsense um, coaching method, which quite frankly, I kind of liked. I mean, he was very much there with a purpose and he wasn't about all the showboat and all the extra stuff, as we mentioned earlier. Um, whatever it was, it worked. These guys were able to play together as a team. I know uh, one of the things that was mentioned is that these guys are all young. They know each other pretty well. A lot of them have played a lot in you know, junior golf. You know, maybe you could maybe you could call on that a little bit. I mean, I think there's definitely a part of that um, and being able to create more of that team atmosphere and having our guys play better together. There were certainly some interesting matchups. I think there were certainly some guys that we maybe didn't think would play together. At the end of the day, <laughs> they got it done and yeah. won a hell of a fashion. So well, uh, it's tough to say anything negative about what was what was done by Strix part. Well, I think you're definitely right on them all being young and all knowing each other and liking each other. You know, like Spieth said, he knew 10 of the guys since grade school from AJGA, junior golf, college golf, amateur golf, and now playing with the pros. And so when you have that much familiarity with someone, even if they're not your best friend, they're not all JT to Spieth, but hey, I know Xander well. I played against him in X amount of events, you know, 
in this event when I was in Southern Cal and da, 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 da. And I think that just helps. And obviously I think the president's cup helps because it seemed like you said like Stricker doesn't, it, we all talked about the whole pod system. It, he didn't really do a pod system. He crossed over the pods that were like the practice pods didn't really stay in. He even changed the, the pairings one day. And so he just kind of had his more pairings. I think he did. He probably felt like he didn't need a pod system with all these guys, you know, cause it's not like, Oh, you got Matt Kuchar and Zach Johnson trying to be paired with, you know, DJ and Jordan Spieth a few years ago or whatever. That's harder to, to get to gel together. Like, Sorry, ZJ and DJ, not much in common there, right? Um, well, I think I think you make a great point. And everyone being at such a similar age, there are a lot more similarities that they can draw from. You know, being in, in that tight-knit age group, everyone's had a lot of the same shared experiences at the same time in their life. So I, I, I think there's a lot to be said about that. I think they probably have an easier time, you know, because Spieth is one of the leaders on that team now. And has been around the most, him and DJ, right? And it's probably easier for a Cantlay or a Xander to go to those two guys to ask advice than to go to Tiger or go to Jim Furyk in previous years when some of these guys are getting paired with them. It's like you got a, a 45-year-old guy and a 25-year-old guy. It's like, okay, dude, I was watching you on TV when I was in diapers. Like, yeah, It's just weird for them, I would think, to go and say, hey, pal, Put, put your arm around me and help me through this session here. Right. I think it's yeah. way easier for them. It's like, Hey, Hey, George, like, yeah, what do we do? And what's this going to leading up? How do we, what's going to happen that week and get prepared. And it's just going to be easier for them. To, to. I mean, and to that point, I think that's why you see, they always try to, you know, get a, get a captain who is still playing or somewhat playing still relevant and still out playing in some events. So he knows <clears throat> some of the guys. So he has some type of relationship with them. So they, they, you know, you have a little bit more of a segue, whereas if you just pick the old, the older, you know, player, that's one, you know, four or five majors, but they're 65 years old, like they've got zero relationship with these 25 year olds and they can't relate to them at all. Um, but you're right. I think, you know, a lot of those guys were the same age and they were able to mesh well together. And I think, and I don't know exactly how Stricker, you know, handled the locker room, but it sounds like he basically just, they were all together just those guys, very few of any outsiders. And it was like, Hey, you guys build some, you don't need to, I mean, granted, I love Michael Jordan, but you don't need to go over there and be buddy, buddy with Michael Jordan. You're not playing with him. You know um, you're playing with these other 11 guys. So let's, let's all spend time and build some camaraderie amongst our, amongst ourselves and no one else can, can be there. And one of the other things that I think a lot of the guys were complaining about is their swing teachers and instructors weren't allowed to be, didn't have access to these rooms or these uh, some of these other sacred rooms there where, where in, in regular events they do. And I think that it's probably part of it. Um, and the other, the other part of it was that they felt that the PGA tour or not PGA tour PGA of America should, should pay for a little bit more of, of their, their expenses to be there since no one was getting paid for this event, but that's kind of another, another argument. But I, I do think not having all the distractions and all these, these coaches and these psychologists and, you know, swing instructors or whatever physios and physios. Yeah. They, they're just not in there. Like, Hey, you guys, this is us. This is us. These 12 and few coaches, like we're going to, we're going to do this together. Um, at least that's the way it seemed. I don't know if that's the way it really shook out, but it looked that way. And it seems those guys were, I mean, that was the best 
I mean, obviously, this is the best team performance we've ever had in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, and Stricker even said in, in the press conference, I don't know if you watched any of the press conferences last night, um, they were pretty entertaining. I watched both of them to my wife's dismay as she sat there on the couch rolling her eyes. But um, Stricker even said, like, this is the greatest Ryder Cup team of all time. You know, obviously, it's easy to say that in the moment and everyone has overreactions, but it, it's pretty fucking strong. I mean, obviously, we talked about the world rankings and then setting a record. But you, I guess it kind of hit me when I was watching one of the sessions and I'm like, man, they're sitting so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. You're like, God, that bench is really strong. The four guys that are sitting out right now. And then you look at the European side and you're like, well, yeah, Matthew Fitzpatrick's sitting because he's never won a fucking point in the Ryder Cup. And, you know, Terrell Hatton's missed four of his last six cuts. And it's they just were just nowhere as deep. Well, and I think I think you're exactly right where you're going with that, Mike. It's tough to quantify in saying that they're the best team ever because their opponent varies from event to event. And certain years, it's been much stronger than other years. This is certainly the greatest defeat in American history. That's a fair statement that is totally quantifiable. However, you can't you can't make that argument when the variance of the opponent changes the way it does in this event and the golf course. I mean, the golf course fit the American Absolutely to a T the length of it. Um, I'm going to look up the stat, but and now Jay, I heard a stat here that you'll, you'll love as a, as an anti puttist. Um, <laughs> I love putting. I, <laughs> I love this. This is great, but I'll so, be no, the the, guy. I was just telling the facts, telling the, I love putting. I think, I mean, Jay, I'll let you finish. I'll let Jay you finish hates, this, but, Jay hates putting. It's all about ball striking. <laughs> um, but to your point, what we were talking about earlier, we we were um, just to fill everybody back in. We were kind of texting Mike and I back and forth about you know different things that are important, and we always talk about this this clutch you know stat. Like if there's a way to to quantify someone how clutch they are, and especially in match play, I think it really comes down to, and we've talked about this to to putting. Those are the guys. And most of the time, the guys who make that clutch par putt or that that putt, that's that's when you can really win some matches. And that's like the closest thing we can think of, you know, to, to calling saying someone's clutch. And, you know, I think just just to your point, I'm like, that's this this event is one that you can get away with not being the best ball striker. And, and you know, strokes gain T to green. It's great. But it's like, can you make that par putt to have your opponent to keep the match going like that? There's no way to like. There's no strokes gained there in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's just a, it's like grit, and it's no way to really measure that. But um, the, the Americans obviously had no problem finishing matches this week. So no, and so you know we had some of those stats that we were, I had texted you guys before the event started. One was from Sky Sports on their little blip on the Golf Channel. They had par breaker average rank, and the USA was twelve point seven, and the European team was sixty four point nine in par breaker ranking average for the whole team. I mean, that's a huge discrepancy. And then I sent you, um, you know, they had strokes gained total in weather conditions with wind and in the varying zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 25, 10 to 25. And in colder temperatures, United States was just miles ahead. And again, they should be, they were, had nine of the top 11 in the world. And, and again, but you made the point that it's, it was, you know, 72 hole stroke play events. It's not the same as a, an 18 hole match play. And that's was a definitely a valid point, but it really came down to their length and ball striking mm-hmm. that won it. So 
I heard a stat and I, I apologize. I forget where I heard the stat earlier. Um, I can't credit the person, but the Americans made 41 putts over 10 feet. The Europeans made 37 putts over 10 feet. Pretty close. Right. So you would think you see a 19 to nine advantage yeah. on the scoreboard and you would think, oh, my God, the Europeans must have putted awful. The Americans must have made everything. No, yeah. not really. You know, they just made a few more, but it yeah. was more about ball striking. Look at this. Listen to this dad about the par fives. Um, I don't know how many par fives they that were played, but United States won 34 holes on par fives and yeah. they were a total of 46 under par on the par fives this weekend. The Europeans only won par fives 14 times and were 22 under par. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you're right. I mean, that's it. it I, we talked about it earlier. I think the, the biggest advantage that the U S had in this was that they had the opportunity to, I say, quote unquote, set the course up. I know you said the PGA tour sets that up, but they can basically say, look, this is the link that we want to play this event. And, and most of the Americans have played it way more than, than the Euros, and they knew what to expe- expect. I mean, granted, they did all play in it and then the PGA, but these guys have, were more accessible to getting this event. They've played there. They've seen this place. They know how long it is. I mean, just you've got – like I said, you've got – I don't know how many how many guys in the top top ten in strokes gain T to green or just driving distance, you know, how many we had. I mean, oh, it's up a ton. It's I don't even know if anyone on the European tour. I mean, the only person that they, the best driver, of the golf they had would be probably John Rahm and, and Sergio. They're probably up there, but Sergio doesn't hit his. Rory's up there. Rory's up there because he's like Rory's, second on the yeah, tour in, in right. driving distance, and that's so a the, huge factor in strokes gained tee to green yeah. or strokes gained off the tee. You're right. You're right. And and Rory, I'd say Rory, Rahm, and Sergio all known as being great, great drivers of the golf ball. But that's pretty much it. When when you when you kind of couple the that strokes gain, you know, T to green stat, those guys are the, the ones that are up there. I mean, well, and then, they really fell off compared to the U.S. Then you look at the United States side, there's really only two guys on that team that you would say are not long hitters, and that would be Spieth Morikawa. Oh, but by the way, they're, they're two of the best guys in the world strokes gain approach. I mean, yeah. Morikawa is the best iron player, and it's not even close, and Spieth's always up there as one of the best iron players. Yeah top 10 so okay yeah they don't hit it quite as far but guess what they flush their irons and they hit every green so yeah they're 20 yards behind but it was just uh god it was good it's just a solid solid performance and i think lindy's gonna if she listens to this which she won't she's gonna hate (laughs) this she heard me say this like 12 times over the three days i'm like it's the next generation it's the youth movement it's the the old guards out it's the new guard and this and that and i i swear to god and i had kind of said this when we, I'm not saying I predicted this. Um, my my prediction was the closest. Um, <laughs> Jay, who'd you pick? Uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I think you know we talked about they had very little experience compared to the Europeans, but they were just better. They're younger. They don't have those scars. They have the cockiness. Like I don't give a shit that Jim Furyk got his ass kicked in the Ryder Cup. And Matt Kuchar got his ass kicked in the Ryder Cup. That doesn't affect them. And yeah. these rookies went 14, 4, and 3. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, in a slightly different topic, staying on the same spot, does Patrick Reed ever get selected as a captain's <laughs> pick again? He if better he qualify, qualify on points. If he, he doesn't qualify, qualify on points. points. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
you the Captain America argument is almost gone to a certain extent from the standpoint of we don't we didn't need him in this event. I'm no, not he was one of the few bright spots. Him. Do you think yeah. he changes his tune a little bit now? Because he had that was kind of like the chip that he could keep on his shoulder. It was like, hey, it's oh. like you guys don't like me, but you need me in the Ryder Cup. I'm I'm the best the best chance US had USA has. Had they have lost, and we dominate. Yeah, but no, I think that goes again exactly to your. Right. I think that goes again to your point, Mike and McClang have said it too that, um, you know, he, <laughs> he's. He's such a tough guy to be around, you know, and and these guys all got along so well. And you wonder if that was part of his, of Steve Stricker's thought process. Like, look, these are the guys that I know can play, and they they can they can be a cohesive unit. Um, and and these guys can can. I and mean, he knew that he had he knew he had Bryson and Brooks because they both qualified, so he couldn't control that. But he's like, well, I'm going to bring another you know wildfire into this locker room when it's not even necessary and it's not even a guarantee that he's going to play good. He's like. Let me just let me. It's like Terrell Owens and Chad Ochocinco in the NFL like 15 years ago. Like these guys are extremely talented, but they just got tired of messing with the bullshit. And they're like, "Hey, man, it's not worth it. See yeah. ya. See ya." You well, know? even even the whole Brooks and Bryson thing. I mean, who knows? Was that genuine? I don't know. I don't know if any of it was genuine, but I I do feel like they could still hate each other. But I feel like they put their differences aside for a week. Yeah, you know. After it was all said and done, there was a quick glimpse of Bryson was off to the side doing an interview and, and Brooks went over and gave him a high five and a hug and a little dap. And and Stricker said he was like, they are all in it together. It was all about the team. They even he said they even both came to him and was like, if you think you need to pair us together, we'll, we'll play together. If you think it's best for the team, we'll play together. Like, yeah. And, you know, and then and then they made them all, you know, hug it out at the press conference afterwards. <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, made for TV moment there. So I don't know yeah. how genuine all of that was. I don't know if Stricker was just blowing smoke up our ass. But I think they generally put their issues aside. I think Brooks, yeah. you know, he had those comments that he said were, you know, taken out of context or not right and misconstrued, which um, can easily happen. And, you know, but I they. I think they're both team. They're both team oriented guys. I know. I know Brooks Kepka played a bunch of team sports in high school, and and Bryson did too. Bryson's a good athlete, and and it sounds sounds like from what I've read, all of his teammates in SMU, he got along with fine. They all. I mean, they knew he was a unique guy and an eccentric mind, but they all got along with him great. So, you know, and you look at Patrick Reed on the other hand, who, you know, I hate to say it, but didn't last at his first university very long, and then went to the next university and had the same issues with. You know, just not maybe getting along with some of these guys as much. He's got a track record there. Yeah, he's got a track record. Whereas I don't, Bryson, I think, you know, he gets a little misunderstood in the fact that he's, he is kind of like what we talked about. He's very uh, cerebral with stuff. And sometimes it comes across as being arrogant and being weird. And it's, it doesn't sit well with some people, but I don't, I really don't think he does a lot of it on purpose. I just think that's just the way it comes out. And that's why some people just don't like that. And that's fine. But, um, uh, Brooks obviously doesn't like it, but <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, he's just being himself. Yeah. Helen. And, and uh, if anyone had the biggest douchebag moment of the weekend, it was Brooks talking to those rules officials. Did you get, catch all that? What was he doing? Why, I don't understand. I mean, he was like being a sound like, was he trying to be funny? I don't know. He was enjoy your Kirkland there. McClain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, he, he's trying to get relief from a drainage pipe and he was standing half standing in a bunker, half standing out. And 
the ball was outside the bunker and you thought he was going to get relief. And Sergio comes over. And of course, the Spaniards are always right there in the middle of a rules conversation. And he's taking the stance. He's like, no, I don't think so. And the caddies are there. There's a couple of vice captains there. Rules official comes over. And then like another rules official comes over. And at first one point, Bryson, it, it, you got to watch the video. If you've seen the video footage, the first part of it, he looks at the, to the official and goes, have you ever seen me hit a golf ball? And <laughs> Sergio spit out what he was drinking. Yeah. He had just taken a sip of his water and started laughing so hard. He spit it out. Um, and the guy's like, yeah, so you hit a lot of golf balls. And then, so another official comes over, they don't give him the relief. And then he becomes a douche and looks at him and was like, if I break my wrist, it's on fucking both of you. And I was like, yeah. whoa, buddy. chill." <laughs> Everything was good. I thought I thought his response was fantastic when Sergio spit the water out saying, have you ever seen me hit a golf ball? When he went that angle and said, you know, it's on fucking both you and you. It's like, wait, wait a second. Yeah. You went from a good laugh to a, a douche. Yeah. yeah, that just was that wasn't that just wasn't a good optical. It just wasn't a good optical. And there's been so many times where guys on tour have had to hit shots off of roots or whatever it is, you know, it's uncontrollable. And you, Jay, you've been in that position. You would have never, even if the rules official didn't give you a relief, you would have never, ever insulted the rules official that way. No. And, and you know why? I mean, in my opinion, most of the, you want these rules officials, you want to be friends with them. I mean, it, it, I mean, obviously most of them are good guys anyway, and, and you're friends with them because you see them a lot, but you want to be nice to these guys. I mean, these are the guys, they have a little bit of gray area here when, when they're kind of interpreting the rules, at least, you know, up until they redid it a couple of years ago, even still they do. So why do you want to still you know, a judgment call on, on it, that kind of it thing? Can, it can still be a judgment call on the time. So why do you, you want to, you don't want to, in my opinion, you don't want to set that precedent. So the next time you get something that's kind of on the fence and they're going to be like, hell no, I'm not giving you any, any, any extra help. I'm not, I'm not siding with your point of view here. And I don't blame them. It's like, look, they're there to try to interpret the rules the best they can. I know there's, there's some rules officials who, who want to try to, you know, that's their chance to take their stance. And like, they be, they're now important, you know, let me just make a ruling. Like you don't have to get that get that strong of this is pretty simple. It's pretty obvious. Let's just go with the obvious play. Um, and then there's some that don't do that, but for the most part, they're all good guys. I mean, Mike, you, you see a lot of these guys like Matt Smiley. I mean, he's a, you know, director of golf for the, the VSGA and a rules official in a lot of our events. I know he doesn't cross over quite as much with you in the MAPGA, but I mean, he gets it. Like he, he, just, he, he's, I mean, he's an absolute savant when it comes to reading the rule book. Um, I know you would just that you had on a Mikey, like passed it with a perfect score, which is like impossible or something like that. Yeah. And he, I know he has gotten a hundred on the USGA rules test up in New Jersey multiple times. And I'm, and I'm not sure if I'm right when I'm saying this, but there's almost like this PJ tour rules official that don't always get a hundred percent on this thing. That's how hard this is. Some of the top rules official in this country don't always get a hundred on this thing. And Matt Smiley does. And he's a consummate, you know, professional when he does it too yeah and he's great about it and like that's what you're looking for like you want somebody that help you understand the rules and if there is a gray area you want this guy you want to be able to plead your case and know that he's not going to give you a bad ruling just because you've been a jerk to him in the past and he's going to look at the options say look if it's there if you need the relief i'll give it to you um if it's a gray area and i can give you the benefit of the doubt then i'll, I'll help you out so i don't know i was just like you said i, I think he probably took it took it too far and you know he didn't need to do that 
like it's like you didn't get the ruling. It's yeah. okay to be a little upset. You didn't get the ruling, but you asked. You did all you could do, and then just move on. And now yeah. he's got now he's got two enemies. <laughs> I gotta be I gotta be nice to Matt Smiley, by the way, too, because he's my go to guy. Whenever I have a question that's asked by a member to me that I don't really answer to, I text Matt. Hey yeah. Matt. So I, I need to make sure I keep him on my good side. So when I text him on a Saturday morning, exactly he's sitting on the couch in his underwear drinking response. coffee, he can give me a response. So <laughs> Matt, if you're listening, I love you. Thanks for all the texts. Yeah. Um <laughs> let's let's talk, let's talk a little Europe. We've kind of been USA focused here, but um, you know, John Rom balls out is just a man, just the only one really on the team. Sergio finished three and one. He also played with John Rom three matches. So, well, I mean, maybe John Rom played well because he played with Sergio. No, <laughs> no, did you watch John Rom putt? Yeah, he did. In, he the, in well. the morning foursomes on Friday. On the front nine. Now, granted, he's basically putting every other hole. He had a hundred feet of putt made. I'm like, that's awesome. It's awesome. Stupid. He goes three, one, and one. But then you go down this list of Europeans. Tommy Fleetwood, I'm looking here. Oh, one and two. Bern Wiesberger, oh, three and oh. Terrell Hatton, one, two and oh. Matthew Fitzpatrick, oh, three and oh. Two he Ryder Cups. He, two Ryder two, Cups has never won a point yet. Two offers. Nah, that's tough. Woof. Paul Casey, oh, for four. Victor Hovland, 0 3 and 2. Lee Westwood, 1 and 2. Sergio Garcia, 3 1 and 0. Thanks, John Rahm. Uh, Shane Lowry, <laughs> 1 hey, 2 you and 0. can't say that. He is the winningest Ryder Cup player of all time 25, 13, and 7, 63% winning percentage, which is just insane. Maybe he's always yeah, had great you, partners. Have we done a deep dive on this? Well, look, I mean, I, it is what I, it is. I mean, I'm just surprised Mike's not on his dick, considering all he does is bandwagon against some winners, you know? <laughs> All the guy does. If the guy's a fucking winningest guy, he's like Mike's. Like I'm a fan, like, yeah, <laughs> lifetime fan. No, I grew I up. Grew up there. Spain. Yeah, I grew up there. <laughs> I'm a huge Abe Answer fan. He's from Spain, right? <laughs> Wait, are you talking? I'm a bandwagon fan because I'm a Patriots fan and a Red Sox fan and a Bruins fan and a Salt Lake fan and a Clemson fan. Is that why? <laughs> nope, didn't okay. make that correlation at all. Sorry, bud. <laughs> I am not a bandwagon. That's the hundred percent truth. Zero bandwagon in I me. Mean, you you did grow up in Boston and you did go to Clemson. Yeah. So. I couldn't yeah, be but... any less of a bandwagon fan. I hate bandwagon <laughs> fans. You're going to get me on a tangent now in a mass whole minute that I was not planning for. <laughs> I promised I wasn't trying to rally you up. Like, okay, I'm going to do it right real fast. <laughs> Live here in Richmond, Virginia. No major professional sports teams. And I talk with people and I'm like, oh, you have, you know, you're a Washington Wizards fan. No, no, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Oh, okay. So you were a Redskins fan? No, no, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Okay. Uh, what about baseball? Oh, I love the Yankees. So you grew up in the 90s. Is that what you're trying to say? Like, <laughs> and you just picked all the best teams. Like, yeah, I love I love Alabama, Crimson Tide, Lakers are big, big Lakers guy. It's like, shut up, people. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Have some allegiance uh, or something. That you know, it's gotten to the point where was being in growing up in Richmond. The only the team that was close to us was that was the Redskins. Redskins, that was it, uh, or the football team. Now I'm sorry. So unfortunately, that is the only team that I'm a fan of. Like basketball, I picked players. I love Michael Jordan because I didn't have a basketball team near me, and baseball we didn't have one either. I mean, we had the Orioles and the and Richmond Baltimore, Braves, but we had the Richmond Braves. So most people are Braves fans, which I just never ended up being. The um, Orioles are still there, by the way, Jay. Yeah, I know. I'm not are saying they, they weren't, but are they? 
they are, are they they are, are they? still there yeah. yeah but now you got the gnats but i mean I was hey, just saying, remember the was washington the, bullets yeah we had the, the the orioles were the closest team at the time but now we have the the nationals there a little closer but yeah the bullets but i mean yeah i guess i could have pulled for them yeah. anyways that was a tangent mass whole minute but no fuck that i'm not a bandwagon fan okay <laughs> right i ride and die with my teams regardless sergio's sergio's uh Sergio in his worth. He has done his job and he earns all the accolades that come with uh, he does. his accomplishments. He's, he's an unbelievable Ryder Cup player. And I will say he he seemed to handle himself very well. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't really dislike many guys on the Europe. I mean, Sergio is probably my least liked guy for me on that team. I just think he's a dink. Um, you know, Poulter can rub you the wrong way occasionally. You but- like Poulter more than Sergio? Yeah, Poulter's funny on social media. What? So, what does Sergio do that you don't like about Sergio? He's a douchebag. He's a douchebag. How? He spits in cups. He throws temper tantrums. He says all this dumb shit. Like, like none of the USA guys. I mean, Jordan Spieth. I mean, are you talking about the epitome of of a complainer? I mean, how could you? Oh, he he complains, but he doesn't throw hissy fits like Sergio does. Doesn't? No. Jordan Spieth has thrown plenty of hissy fits. Not on the Sergio Garcia realm. I, I that's debatable, but I mean, I don't. You, I don't do you see him well, spitting in cups and spitting on greens? Do you see I mean, him just wailing, wailing at before. wailing at bunkers and like I don't know? He's just Sergio said a lot of dumb things over the years too, and he played this whole like, oh, I guess I'm never gonna win here, and the golf gods are against me. Like, he shut said, up, dude! You sucked in majors and you choked, so like the golf cards aren't against you. <laughs> I went and got a he beer. You're still on he, it, huh? He says what he thinks. Everyone wants to be have a player that's honest and says their gives their opinion. And then I we agree have with somebody that. who does that, and now everyone wants to criticize them for it. It's like, oh, where do we draw the line? I mean, everyone hated the you know the Tiger interviews because he was you got nothing, and and then you have somebody that gives him what they want, and then they hate that too. I mean, it's like you can't you can't win. Although, with that being said, McLean. There's one guy, and then we can jump right into this, who does give his honest opinion, and everyone still loves the guy. Rory McIlroy. I mean, he played like shit. He played terribly. He got choked up in the interview. He handles everything just the right way almost all the time. I mean, he's not perfect, but he almost always handles the right way with some sincerity and with some compassion for his other you know, fellow playing competitors, himself. I mean, he just always handles it the right way. And it's like, it's the accent. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I mean, everyone loves the guy and he, and he, he is pretty honest. He does usually tell us like he's feeling. He is honest. And he has said some things in the media that maybe not everyone agreed with or people like, Ooh, should he have said that kind of stuff? But I think it's the way he goes about it. The way he says it. Yeah. He never says it from a disrespect place. He always comes at things from a very thoughtful place not just a selfish like yeah he has he has a back a backing and a reason for everything he says it it may not be what the public thinks or wants him to say at all times yeah but he does it respectful and i i think he is way he's very articulate i think he's way more self-aware than a sergio or a bryson or a brooks yeah you know are, are some guys that maybe say what they are thinking and we all bash them for because they all say it in a very poor manner, yeah. the way they go about it. Delivery is delivery is key. You know, you can, it's all about 
how is the the audience, the person listening, how are they going to receive this message? Not how how am I going to say it? It's not about what makes me feel good to speak it. How is it going to be received on the other end? So, and Rory takes the time to think about that message. Like, now, if I say it this way, are they going to hear what I'm saying? Are they going to really hear what I'm saying? Are they just going to interpret? He's also, clip he was also yeah. trained at a very young age on okay. how to handle the media in public. I mean, being the you know prodigal son, for lack of a better Well, so term. was Sergio. Sergio was running Sergio, major at 19. 100% agree. 100% agree. But Whenever I hear about his dad was a you're talking about uh, I I knew Sergio's dad. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's tough to say that because anyone's relationship with their father or your relationship with your son is going to be different than your relationship with other people to a certain degree. So at the end of the day, um, I won't comment on their relationship, but I will comment on the difference in personalities from those regions. When you yeah. look at guys from really great Britain in general, not even just singling out you know, Northern Ireland in his case, but you seem to get a lot of very level-headed individuals. Yeah. Spain, I think is known for having a little bit of some fiery individuals. Yeah. You're dead. And, right I, mean, there. I, and I mean that, I, I mean that in the most sincere form of, um, uh, flattery yeah. is not the best word, but I, I mean that in a very positive manner. Okay. I don't mean any negativity oh, yeah. behind any of that. I just think that, I think that most people would agree that some people like stereotype that there and, and some people do. Absolutely. But yeah. And I, I've kind of, I mean, I, I'm a guy. I think John Rom's John Rom's very evident of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, like I said, I, I feel like I've been a, a kind of a, in different parts of my life and, and golfing <laughs> career, I've been known to be fiery. I'm maybe not as much anymore, but I don't, I don't mind that. You know, I just, I kind of like seeing somebody, you know, that think it's one thing to be real with what you're saying. It's nothing to be real with your actions. Like when I see him get fired up and, you know, slamming his, you know, sandwich into the end of the bunker, like you comment on like, you know, everyone else looks at it and it's like, Oh, how could you ever do that? You know, how could you ever slam your club into the ground? I was like, I know how, cause this game is freaking hard and it will drive you absolutely bonkers. And sometimes you know, some people just let their their emotions and their feelings just go one step further than most people. And I'm like, who am I to judge this guy? Like he's on camera 40 weeks out of the year. Um, and he's, you know, he's always in the in the middle of it because he's one of a high, you know, high profile, high profile player. So I mean, yes, should he have done that? You know, slamming his club in the bunker, should he be so vocal with his emotions? Probably not. But I think it's fun to watch. And some of these Spaniards, like you said, they they do let that emotion show, which some people want to watch. And I, I, I like it. I like Sergio. I do love Rory though. Um, but I don't hate Sergio. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't hate Sergio. I just think he's a dink sometimes. Well, the bad part is that when he has his outburst, he just looks really childish doing it. That's why it comes <laughs> off bad. He yeah. doesn't do it like a man. I mean, when Rory threw that club into the water, he it looked, looked cool. like an adult doing it. When he was smooth about it. He was smooth about it. It was it was classy. It was a classy club throw. It was like, <laughs> I don't fucking need this. And it was gone. You know, yeah, was, awful I accent. A, I think that was awful a British accent. accent it, but. Yeah. Close enough. Um, <laughs> the same team. They're on the same team. Um, regardless, club that sounds uh, like a T-shirt. Yeah, when Sergio does it, you know, like when he's taking all that sand out of the bunker, he just starts to end up looking childish at the third, fourth, sixth blow. Um, 
And, and that's where I think some of that stems from. You know, I, I get exactly what Jay says. That's golf. It will do that to you. Um, it makes you say words that you didn't know yeah. existed. If people heard you talk on the golf course that don't play golf, people that do not play <laughs> golf and know you only in your most professional setting, and they get to listen to your soundtrack of 18 holes of golf, buddy, we wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's those things you yeah. say on the golf course are just awful. And it, it, golf turns you into that person. Uh, it's like we were joking. We had member member this weekend at the club, and I was joking with a few of the members. Um, I said, this is the kind of weekend where if your opponent calls you motherfucker or cocksucker, it's a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Because you just exactly. won. You just made a putt. You just made a birdie yeah. or something. It's like, that's you know, exactly right. But only golfers, I think, sometimes would understand that. Like, but, but yeah. So let's, let's, let's get back to the, the European team in general, not just me hating Sergio and um, <laughs> why. But... So the way I look at this team, I think it's the complete opposite of the Americans. To me, they're phasing could, out. They're phasing out, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no real young talent. You got Hovland, and that's really it. Yeah. Rom? Well, okay, Rom, but I don't know. I, he's in a different <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we're, we're Their best the fucking player, player, the guy we were or... talking about. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> yeah, he, never he, heard of like, him. He's in a class of his own because he's number one. But like you're talking about up and coming guys. Yeah, it's Hovland. That's it. Obviously, yeah. Rom's going to be there for a long time. Fitzpatrick. He hasn't won a point. Yeah, uh, that's not great. OK, you, you fair. But you're talking about young up and coming Europeans. I, I agree with you. I mean, Rory still has plenty of gas left in the tank and years. Um, you was- know, Terrell Hatton is on that cusp of being kind of a perennial Ryder Cupper. Um, you're not you're not incorrect, but they definitely had a lot of elder statesmen yeah. uh, or statesmen is not the right word. That's more for our side, but um, yeah. definitely some older guys in their crowd on their team. And um, we'll I mean, see if you, if you look down the list, uh, you know, Garcia, I mean, he's I mean, granted, uh, like we've said, winning is Ryder Cup player of all time, but he's on his way out at 43, yeah. 44. Uh, no, maybe not. 40. Is he 43? I don't know if he's quite that 41, 42. I know he's a couple years older than me, but I mean, he may get one more um, depending on how long he wants to play, but he's on his way out. He's 41. Casey's on his way out. Poulter's, this is probably Poulter's last and Westwood's last. I mean, you got four of the 12 guys that they're, they're on their way out. Um, and then Weisberger was maybe a one-off. Well, um, and even, but even Weisberger. never play again in this. If he, if he does, he's going to have to qualify, which he may, but he hasn't won a point. I mean, now we're looking. It comes down to McElroy, Rom, Hovland. I mean, maybe Haddon. You throw him in there. Uh, Lowry, Shane Lowry. I mean, he didn't have a great, you know, Ryder Cup appearance this year. No, he's Lowry's 30, he's, no spring chicken. Yeah, he's no, thirty-four. He's, this was yeah. first Ryder Cup. Like yeah. Weisberger's thirty-five. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think Weisberger. I think it's. I mean, he's an unbelievable player, but he. This is more off probably a one and done for this guy. I heard someone, so this was a, a competing podcast that I won't name that I was listening to this morning. Somebody made a great... Why would you, why would you listen to another golf podcast? Because I'm a golf nerd and that's what I do. Fucking cheater. Only, I don't even know if there are any others. This is the I was, one I know I was, there was a couple, I guess, that are out there. I was mowing the yard and this is what I was listening to because I didn't want to hear them, Boston Sports Radio, talk about how shitty the Pats were today. And so he made a, a pretty good point and it's pretty funny. The Europeans are deeper 
in potential future captains than they are players where the yeah. Americans are deeper in players than they are future captains. I mean, you look at, and this is, he was right. Dustin you, Johnson's the oldest player on the team. The oldest 30, player on the team. At 36. You, look, you look at the potential future captains for Europe. You got obviously the guys you just rolled, rattled off, right? That played yeah. Holter, Westwood, Casey, Garcia. Then you got Henrik Stenson, Justin Rose, Luke Donald, Graham McDowell. You got all these guys, Martin Keimer, all these 40 guys and older. who are 40 and older who have great Ryder Cup careers for the Europeans. Okay, yeah, they're going to have a tough time picking a captain. But yeah. who the hell are these guys going to captain? Yeah, <laughs> who's going to play? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, I agree 100%. And that's probably, I mean, that goes to show the dominance that they had for so long because you had so many incredible players, and now they're all the same age. Um, and now they're going to have to fight for captaincy here in the next 15 years. Um, I think we could be in the now the start, and this is just me being a homer and just overreacting to one thumping, but maybe we could be in the start of us taking over this thing and winning nine of the next 12 kind of thing and, and flipping the script a little bit here than what we've been used to the last 20 years. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe four of the next five, you know, the next 10 years. I think that's definitely doable. You know, now, and, and Rory made the point, well, right now we're in this, we're in this boat where we're alternating every other year, just went on home soil. Well, let me ask you a question though, about what you just said, Jay. I would love to see us, and I guess you touched on it as well, Mike. I don't mean to say just Jay, but I would love to see us win a bunch. But looking at this year's event, I don't want to see five blowouts in a row. Yeah, that's not fun. No, I don't want blowouts. No. Like, it was fun. It was fun to see it this year because it's been a while, and it was nice to get one back and feel like, you know, we've been out of this thing for so long. It's nice to win in such a dominating fashion. But from an entertainment perspective – I don't yeah. know about you guys, but once the tournament's clinched, are, are you guys sticking around and watching every shot of the later matches no, on I Sunday during the second week of football? No. Yeah. I was. I was yesterday. No, and I don't want to see blowouts either. And it's better when they're closer and they're competitive and it can go either way. You know, and it's and it's fun. And I guess the one thing I will miss from some of these Europeans that are phasing out is you know, there is some tension and not controversy, but, you know, some fist pumping back and forth and a little gamesmanship and this and that. And there's a history because there's a history where when you start losing Westford and Casey and Garcia and Poulter, you're going to lose some of the juice, right? So whoever they replace them with, they could be fantastic players. You're talking about Robert McIntyre or... I don't know. I don't even know the names of some of these young Europeans. Is that guy Rasmus Hogarden? That's twenty years old. That's won a couple times this year. Matt Wallace. Matt Wallace, or that guy Guido from Italy. He's got to make Guido a team in two, <laughs> in two years when they're in Rome, right? Like it's just not going to be the same with those guys. They could be really, really good, and they could become Ryder Cup stalwarts. Maybe it's different in, in 10, 12 years. We're talking about them as being the antagonists you know, like Poulter is or Garcia is, has been over the years. So I will miss those guys. Yeah. It's going to be weird to watch a European Ryder Cup team without all those guys on there. I, I say Sergio probably has two more, depending on how well he plays. I, I think he'll probably definitely get the the next one back over. It's definitely back over in, uh, in Europe. If he doesn't qualify on his own uh, regard then I, I can't see how they would unless he's playing terribly but yeah I would see awful. him definitely getting the next year and then 
depending if he's playing well, to come back over to U.S. soil and play one last time. I can't see him going past 45, 46 unless he just stays in incredible shape and really, really plays well. Anyone, anyone surprise you? Played better or worse than you thought? Obviously, Rory played way worse than everyone thought. That was a pretty big surprise, in my opinion, to watch Rory struggle so much. You know, I I just didn't see him playing that poorly. I, I knew Xander Shoffley was playing well. I didn't I didn't know that he would play as well as he did, and I didn't see Dustin Johnson winning five matches. I think didn't he, did he go five and zero oh or did he go he yeah go five and zero? Oh. I think he's only the fourth or fifth guy ever to do it for for the U.S. or just in general. No, I think just in general. Yeah, I just didn't I didn't see him. He I mean he's he's one of those guys that's always kind of in the mix, but like if he's not contending to, to for the for the win, you're like, "Oh, he's not playing well." But honestly, he's I'm not going to say he's in, you know, the same realm as as Tiger because that's that'd be insane, but come from a consistency standpoint, every tournament that he plays in, he's he's pretty much in the mix all the time. You know, he doesn't yeah. win at the same clip that Tiger did, but He's won every year since he's been on tour, which is incredible. And he's always kind of finishing up there. Um, I know he's really moved himself way up on the overall career money earnings. So, I mean, the guy's just always in the mix. I mean, but for him to go 5-0 and oh in a setting like this, I didn't I didn't see that. It, and, and he really went 6-0 and because oh he won the press conference afterwards. He did win the press conference. <laughs> he was hammered somehow, which is remarkable because it was like, 45 minutes after like the final match ended. So, I mean, he must have, he we, got after it. He got after it early. But All those I, guys I, are feeling pretty good. I kind of like drunk DJ. It's pretty funny. <laughs> he talks way more. Those, uh, that those, almost never happens when you drink. Yeah. Talk more. <laughs> we would know nothing about that. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I like on Mike's text, you know, let's, let's keep the alcohol light tonight, boys. Yeah, just just I dad. Felt like, my... I felt like it was directed towards Jay, obviously. <laughs> no, it was Straight pretty much directed Jay. right at you. That was the uh, executive producer talking. I was trying to just keep you guys. Uh, oh. Since we did just take a quick, quick brief uh, break, you guys won't notice this. Uh, but we do, did a little, little interview, quick little special guest on a big event happening this week. So that will go out uh, separate from this, but still uh, probably tomorrow I'll, I'll put both of them out. So. Uh, the guy literally stopped our podcast to work with Bryson DeChambeau. He did. We got cut off. Uh, our interview got cut short uh, because Bryson DeChambeau was approaching him. We were hoping he was going to hang on for just a little bit longer to maybe get a <laughs> shot of Bryson so I can just tell him how much I love him real fast. <laughs> and uh, But, uh, yeah, we we want it to be a little bit of a longer conversation, but Bryson trumped us. So, yeah, what are you going to do? All good. So All good. what are you going to do going back to, you know, surprises? I, I was, I was surprised Finau didn't play better. He went one and two. He had that one day where he basically carried uh, Harris English in the four balls the first day. And then that was really it from him. He lost to Ian Poulter in singles, <laughs> which I did not Great. see that coming when they, when they put up the singles pairings, I was like, well, that's a win right there. Yeah. That was of all of them. I was like, that's one of the guarantees would have been Fina over. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's just slipping back to his losing ways. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Tony, if you're listening, I love you. 
<laughs> but I think to, I just I, the more I look at this list of these guys, it's just you know Berger had a two and one record, but he was pretty much carried by Kepka. I watched him hit some wayward shots. He hit some irons that were surprisingly not in Lake Michigan. They were so far off the map. Yeah, but he was just. I think he was just looking at the boats. He's a big boater down there in Jupe, so I think he got distracted. Uh, the wives, the, the wags, all looked fantastic. Just thought I'd say that. Yeah, and who, what, uh, there was Hovland and uh, Fitzpatrick that pictured together because they were the, <laughs> there were the few guys over there without any girlfriends or wives, and they took a picture together. So, Hovland actually brought a buddy with him. Did he really? Uh, yeah, and he got into a couple of long. There were some questionable uh, rumors going around um, online when everyone spotted because he got spotted with this guy, and then it finally came out and was like the guy's just young and single, didn't have anyone, so he decided to bring a buddy with him. Because <laughs> at first they're like, "Wait a second, we didn't what? think he was. He's not." Ah. And then of course. Not there's anything wrong said, with that. He's not gay. He's just stoned. Do you see him? <laughs> not that there would be anything wrong with that if he was. <laughs> Let me make that very clear. Not trying to start any divisive conversations yeah. here on the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. We are very inclusive and wholesome. <laughs> well, I'm not sure for wholesome, but uh, <laughs> I did, especially because I'm getting ready, what I'm getting ready to say. I did love that that picture I sent you guys. Someone posted it on social media. There was like this board, this team board in the team room, I guess. And it was all the players and their significant others. And then there's a picture of Bryson and his dog. Yeah. <laughs> not with that. his wife or girlfriend or whoever, significant other, just his, him and a dog. And then of course they put right below him, Brooks Kepka in a tuxedo with his fiance, Jenna Sims, with her rack hanging out at the ESPYs red carpet, <laughs> like the juxtaposition of those two photos, not to mention uh, just who the guys were, was just, oh, God, I got a, a pretty good laugh over that one day. <laughs> yeah, Bryson, he's something, man. That's He's a funny dude. And then I was uh, I was flipping through pictures with Lindy on my phone, and she was like, well, what was that? I said, don't worry. I just burst kept his girlfriend's tits. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no big deal. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. All good. So, um, how is everybody feeling for this uh, this week's tournament, the Sanderson Farms? Yeah, I can't wait. This is really the. I mean, this is like. I mean, I I was getting in kind of into the to the Ryder Cup just to get ready for for Sanderson Farms for the uh, Country Club of Jackson. That's isn't that a corn berry event? <laughs> it should be somewhere, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. I mean, essentially, it's pretty. It is in terms of pay. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it is definitely in the middle when it comes to pay. Just bigger than a corn fairy event, but not really a a full full week event, full season event. You guys have any more uh, any more Ryder Cup takes? I, you know, I just wanted to <laughs> let everybody know that Sergio is still the the greatest. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus, get, get over, get really over the guy. The guy is just incredible. <laughs> what he does with the golf ball, what he does for the sport and the European team is just enviable. It really well, is. the only reason I keep Jesus. saying that is because you guys just because I thought that the, the Euros would make it interesting. Now I'm all of a sudden I'm wearing 
Well, yeah, I'm gonna, royal I'm, blue and gold. I'm and, buying you a shirt. <laughs> but I do, I do like Sergio, and I, it's fun to watch him. I, he's just fun to watch play. Like I think he swings the ball incredibly. But no, I, you know, <laughs> we've already talked about Sergio enough. But yeah, we hit up all the the points. I think again, the I was super excited to see the U.S. just dominate. I, I honestly, like we mentioned, I wish it was a little bit closer going into Sunday, just so we had a little bit more of a reason to watch. But we'll take what we can get when we won so little over the past 10 or 15 years so pump for the usa to get it done and i think this may drive the euros to to make it more competitive uh next year obviously getting you know slammed uh this year so maybe they'll rethink the way they're doing things and uh make it competitive so god i mean i you I don't know you pick the europeans you talk trash about the american team <laughs> last week oh they can't do it i don't care how good they are mike i don't care what stats you give me reverse psychology dude they can't do it they're not going to win and polter's the greatest player in the history of golf <laughs> i would never say that <laughs> sergio garcia i would have his children <laughs> you pick them and they lose and then you're still talking about sergio uh, sergio cuz awesome. he rode cuz he rode john rom's coattails yeah, well, he's a good teammate. He knows. He oh, knows what he's God, sickening, Jay. Sickening. Jesus, I thought you were a good American. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well, this, let's get let's get to these picks. Wait, real fast. This is for you, Jay. I, I, there was another golf media podcast company that put out some gear on this, and they named it the Slaughter <laughs> on the Water. <laughs> I saw that, uh, which uh, is frankly a great name. But if you were from Massachusetts, you would say it the slaughter on the water. Slaughter on the water. <laughs> it's, it's like Boston accent with a little country drawl. Yeah, but, uh, it doesn't work. Slaughter on the water. Oh man! So all right, let's let's get to the Sanderson Farms. Um, yes, this is a PJ Tour event at the Country Club of Jackson. I don't know who won last year. Sergio. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Oh, God. I just threw it in my mouth. Um, <laughs> yes, he did. I'm almost... I'm almost, if it wasn't last year, it was the year before, but I thought it was last year. I'm trying oh, to look it up. Now that you're saying it, I think you're right. I'm pretty sure he won. Yeah, he's the, he's the defending champion. Sergio. You can see how much research I did for this. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I got you. If, if I you. if I knew he was a defending champion, I wouldn't even put it on the agenda. <laughs> we would have just skipped draft. We would have just skipped week. it. <laughs> just totally skipped it. Oh no! I did. I did win twenty bucks in DraftKings in a different team. I made not so much in ours. You did you win ours? I dominated ours. Did you? Oh, sorry. And you know why? Because I picked Sergio as my captain. Which is kind of surprising <laughs> that you won with Sergio as your captain, but well, he was he, my captain. I mean, too. he was, no, few, was my captain. He was one of the few Euros who went to, he went three and one, you know, and he he was a cheap price point. And then I had uh Cantley, I had Shoffley, I had uh I think I had Dustin Johnson in there too. I mean No, there's no way you had all those guys. I was pretty close. You're just making shit up now. No, I did have, I did have, I'm certain that I had Shoffley and, uh, and Cantley and Sergio as captain. No, you had DJ in your team, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to look it up. 
All right, you had you had Sergio, you had Sergio Cantlay, Finau, DJ, uh, McElroy, and Scheffler. Scheffler, okay. Rory, I mean, if Rory had a decent, I mean, I could have, I could probably could have won the the hundred thousand dollar tournament they did. You could have been something really special, Jay. It could have been great. It could have been great. I'm pretty sure whoever that guy was had DJ as the captain at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty tough. You know, I'm I'm set up myself. I initially had all. Americans on my team. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do that. Right. Cause I'm not going to win every match. I, I should have just fucking put every American. I think I would have done better. You probably would have hundred percent. Thanks a lot. Shane Lowry. Um, <laughs> I love that guy too. I, I do too. He's cool. Yeah. He's a cool guy. All right. So Sanderson farms. I, again, I'm not going to give you any information on the tournament. Cause I didn't even know who won it last year. So I'll give you my team real fast. Go for it. I just think it's amazing it's on DraftKings, quite frankly. <laughs> I just think amazing at how how high the dollars are on some of these guys that are normally like eight thousand yeah. dollars in some events and now they're like ten thousand. Really You're exactly what, right. What sort of crazy cable subscription do I need to get coverage of this thing this week? <laughs> I'll be on the Peacock network. It's on the Peacock network. You gotta stream it. You can't even get it on TV. There we go. I'm gonna have to get it with some sort of seven day free trial or some shit. Um, all right, so I'm gonna go first. There's not much science behind my picks. I'm gonna go at the bottom. Sixty one hundred dollars, Mr. Callum Taron. Nice. Love Friend that. Of the pod. Friend of the pod. He uh second event, he did miss the cut two weeks ago on, on his first PGA tour event, but um it's kind of a longer golf course, fairly easy. He makes a ton of birdies, so there was a little little back there, and I was going down the list. It's like I need someone cheap here, and I saw Cal. I'm like, hell yeah! Although DraftKings, can you get a picture of our man on there? Yeah, come on. Just got the English flag, and it just looks like yeah. the, the American Red Cross is what it looks like. It, pretty much, yeah. So, anyway, sixty one hundred Callum Taron. Then I will go up to seventy seven hundred dollars. Scott Stallings. Whoa! Played, what was that? Whoa, Scotty Stallings! I haven't, yeah. Let, go for it, go for it. I, I haven't seen him playing forever. I don't thought he was hurt or something. <laughs> he was just up there not too long ago. He does <laughs> play he? well in these. And this is a, a kind of a, a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, trend on my team. Uh, he plays well in these smaller, yeah. not very popular events, <laughs> and he did come in T six here last year as well. Oh. So. Then I a good sign at least when someone addresses your pick like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I got uh Keith Mitchell. Sea Island boy. Sea Island boy hits the ball a long ways, makes a bunch of birdies, had a couple decent finishes towards the end of um the campaign there in the last season, you know, top ten at Northern Trust. So we'll go Keith Mitchell, seventy eight hundred dollars. Then I'm gonna go up to Joseph Brantland. Seventy nine hundred dollars. Love it. He's a friend uh, of a friend of a friend of the pods. That's right. Just recently, <laughs> six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, <laughs> his, his instructor is a good friend of ours, uh, John Scott Rattan, who is a, a director of instruction at Congressional Country Club. Um, but anyway, yeah, Joe's a great guy. Really, really good guy. So I hope he wins. That would he, be incredible. He did, he did win on the Corn Ferry Tour, the championship. Yes. Not too long ago, so he's playing well. And if you go back through some of his um, PJ Tour finishes last year, 
again, kind of another guy that plays really well in these. I'm not going to call this one a limited field event like some of them, but he played in the Barracuda top 20 Barbersall finished 11th. So some of these smaller field yeah. events, but not the strongest fields. He, he seems to rise up and play well there. So I like him. And then my two studs, um, first one, $10,100, Corey Connors. Just going to ball strike his way around that golf course. Just look at his recent finishes playing well. And he doesn't seem to make a lot of mistakes. So I like him to make a cut and contend. And then, you know what? He hasn't won in a while. He plays, I think he plays every week. <laughs> Sung J M. I'm going to go with as my winner at $10,300. I like that. He just puts up finishes. Just quality finishes from Sung J M. Like all the time. And he plays every week. If you if you were anyone out there who's in like a season long PJ Tour fancy thing, take him because he plays every week and he makes almost every cut. So yeah, very true. There MB, you go. MB, you want me to roll with mine, or are you ready? Or you want to play it, buddy? <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm ready. I'll do. You uh, roll. You roll. I'll roll, th- roll through mine. And uh, like Mike said, uh, the research that I put into this, it was pretty extensive um, for this week. I mean, we didn't have anything going on last week. There wasn't really anything going on with golf. So I had a lot of time to really look at this and analyze uh, the golf course and the players. So that's how I came to my team here. Um, starting at the bottom, Max McGreevy. Wow. Um, Who? Max Who? McGreevy. Yes, you guys don't know Max McGreevy. He is a Corn Ferry Tour. Um, Sounds like an Irish boxer. <laughs> I thought Max it was a is lawyer. A young, is a young stud, and he's uh, he. I just I yeah, McGreevy and Associates. I think I've seen him. One hundred percent. I know the guy. You know, he was a young kid when I was on the Canadian tour, and he was his first year out. Um, and he just had a little bit of swag to him. And I, he's, he's a young kid. I think he's going to I think he's gonna do it. I think he's going to play well. I think he's going to make the cut and give him a little top 20 finish. Um, nice. This is the kind of event that he would play well in. I'm not, not saying that he's a good player, but like you said, this kind of – there's not as many superstars. There's a lot of Corn Ferry guys playing. I think he's going to feel more comfortable playing in this event, and he's a talented dude. So at the price, price point, I'm going to give him a shot. Um Next up the list, uh, Brendan Todd, again, from the Southeast. I feel like uh, he would he, he he plays these golf courses well. Shout um, out so Green Hope High School. Yeah. yeah, that's a good pick. I almost I almost had him in my I, squad. I think he – and it, these cor- this course, I think, is going to play well. It's I think it's pretty – usually plays pretty firm and fast from what I remember. And he's not a super long player, but I feel like he benefits from firm, fast fairways, you know, and I think he'll he'll uh, he'll play well. Um, jumping up to Matt Wolf. Mm. Um, this is kind of a long shot, but again, the wild card. I think he, uh, I think he kind of turns things around here. He didn't finish out the year the way he wanted to. And I think he's had some time to really get focused. And I think he's off everybody's radar and he can make a ton of birdies in a you know blink of an eye. So, um, then I move up to Mr. Mito Parada. Um, I know that's McLean's boy. Um, and he's had a lot of really good finishes to to close out the year. So 
McLean's beside himself right now. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, he's going to play well. I mean, I'm not even guessing he's, he is going to play well. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to lock it down. I dropped back down. I missed, I missed my boy, Patton Kazire, 8,200 again, kind of a, a Southeastern boy. And I feel like he's going to, uh, really play well this week. It's right up his alley, you know, not far from family and friends. So he's going to, he's going to get it done. All right, McLean, who are your five picks? Cause we know well, you're picking me to Pereira. Utter disappointment. Ryan Palmer is not in the field. He's not week. in the field. I did look because I was like, oh, he's not only going to make four. In the field. Mito Pereira is on my team um, for all the reasons that Jay listed and more, even better ones. That's why he's on my team, and I suggested him last week or two weeks ago. He led He led the field in strokes gained T to green last yeah. week or two yeah. weeks ago. Great. That's why he's great. <laughs> great pick, Jay. I'm reading off the power <laughs> rankings, by the way. Reading um, off the PJ Tour website. After Mito Pereira. I'm going with the winningest Ryder Cup player of all time, defending <laughs> champion Sergio Garcia. Who is the winningest Ryder Cup player of all time? That's weird. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember who that is. Number one in your hearts, number two in your playbook. <laughs> I'm going to buy you guys Garcia. posters like little schoolboys. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I was so determined to get him on my team, um, but I actually really like my uh, my team moving forward. All right, moving down the list. Um, Mr. McKenzie Hughes at 7,600, uh, Ryder Cup vice captain Zach Johnson at 7,500, Mr. Scott Piercy at 7,400, and Kiradek Effie Barnrat at 7,100. Guy who's actually been playing sneaky good in uh, worldwide golf recently. So looking for him has, to yeah. hopefully make a little move. Happy Barnrat. Except when I picked him, I think, uh, two weeks ago, and he missed a cut. But I absolutely shit the bed. That's a correct. <laughs> so uh, there it is. Man. Picks. If I hear the name Sergio Garcia one more time this whole week. <laughs> there's nothing that would be better if Sergio we have two played guys. great and won wire to wire this week and at the Sanderson Farms in Jackson, Mississippi, and you'd have to hear about it all weekend. We have two Americans from the Southeast on this podcast just I mean, just celebrating a guy who just on a losing team. Like it was unbelievable. And I'm in their team. It's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Jesus, we talked about surgery more than we talked about DJ going five and zero. Oh. I mean, the, here, there you go. There's a perfect example why. There's more, you know, more things that this people want to talk about. More personality. I'm not no. saying it, you know, no, more than you want to talk about. What? No, I mean, <laughs> everybody. Every, I mean, who wants? Who talks about? What else is there to say about DJ when he does an interview? There's like two or three words, and he's done. That's fine. That's the way he wants to do it. But. Either Sergio says something that you want to hear, or he hits a golf shot that you want to see, or he says something you don't want to hear, and you then people talk about it. That's because DJ not that smart. Uh, well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, mean, I know, I've, I, I know, I, I've, you know, I know, I've told you guys a story, and I'll tell the listeners a story. I don't think I've told this on the podcast. When I was in a teaching coaching um, seminar with Butch Harmon, it was him and like Ledbetter and Hank Haney, who's a douche, and. <laughs> um, McLean and a lot of these top instructors and it was about like teaching tour pros and DJ's name got brought up and this goes back probably six years Butch's response was he has the most athletic ability and talent that he's ever worked with and this is including Tiger you name it That's the incredible. most 
He goes, <laughs> he goes, but he couldn't spell ox if you gave him the O. <laughs> Butch said that on in a seminar? In a seminar with about a thousand PJ professionals sitting there in the auditorium. And they all lost it. And we all lost it. Yeah. <laughs> he did That's say great. he goes, he goes, DJ's heard me say this, and I'll say it to his face. He's not the smartest guy in the world. So, <laughs> DJ's like, I don't care. Whatever. DJ's like, I don't care. I bang, <laughs> I bang Paulina and I got hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm good. Who's winning? <laughs> I guess in your eyes, Serge is winning. <laughs> uh, righty, boys. Anything else? No, nah, man. Up? Awesome. Sure. When's Sergio's birthday? Uh, July 22nd. I have no idea. I, I hope that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've made that up. Uh, January 9th. January 9th. That's what I said. He will be 42 on January 9th. Oh, okay. So there you go. Okay. So you guys can work on a, a joint gift to get him. We'll work something out. I'll probably, yeah. you know, we'll send, I may just take it to him directly and just so yeah. I can hand deliver it. But send him an E9 hat. <laughs> you can you can put a, a lipstick kiss on there. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Sergio. I know you listen to the pod. We'll I've been holding off. I'm not gonna get you on yet. I guess the boys haven't jumped on on ship yet, but we'll we'll work on it. So it sounds like McLean's on board as well. I'm rowing the fucking ship. So you guys can have a little menage. Oh, uh, <laughs> anyways. All right, gents. That was fun. And like I said to our listeners, keep an eye out for this Ryder Cup uh, recap show and a quick little interview with it we did with a guest on a different facet of golf that will definitely be in the news this week in the golf world. So keep an eye out for those. And to all of our E-Niners out there, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.